Hey, welcome into No Lamps, David Nuno and Raheel Ramzanali. I am actually in studio, oh, not studio, the sports office doing the show. Raheel is in his mansion as we expected, easy, an easy sports day, other than, you know, the Astros facing elimination for the second. But it's never easy in Houston, my friend. Never easy. The big news of the day, as you as you can see in the description of this episode, Daryl Morey has stepped down as general manager of the Houston Rockets after 13 years. He led the team to its most regular season wins in one season with 65 when he combined James Harden and Chris Paul. He had all-stars like Chris Paul, James Harden, Dwight Howard, Russell Westbrook uh, on this roster at various points in his tenure. But the big thing, David, never got the job done when it matters to titles, right? Like that's the most important thing. So uh, he has decided to step away and man, what a what a day. Look, let me tell you this right now. Regardless of what you think, I understand because I, I, I did it with Bill O'Brien. The grading system is you don't win, you don't deserve to keep your job long term. But I think Daryl Morey uh, was a phenomenal general manager if you know the ins and outs of the way that organization runs. Okay? Um, so, look, I, I was shocked. Now that I've done some due diligence, I've made some phone calls. I shouldn't be as shocked as I was, but I'm a little shocked because of the timing of it. I mean, they're in the middle of a freaking coaching search. We don't know if it's going to be Jeff Van Gundy you here, right? Is it going to be a completely different overhaul, or is it going to be more Tyron Lue, which I think would be a little bit more of what we've seen in years past where the players kind of run the show. And I, Van Gundy ain't going to be down with that. No, absolutely not. And, and the thing with this coaching search, uh, Maury has been part of the coaching search, and he still will be part of the coaching search here for the Rockets. Uh, until they find it, and then at that point, Raphael Stone, he's going to be the GM, according to uh, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, so we'll see when that becomes official, but Maury's still kind of part of the, the organization and helping them figure out what's going to happen from a coaching standpoint, and I think that's important because you got to have a new GM for this coach. Here's why. If you had Daryl Morey still, it still would have been an extension of Daryl Morey, and that coach would have never had a chance to become his own coach, his own way of thinking. So I think it's an important move and the right move, in my opinion. I don't know if it's the right move, but I will say this. It feels like a Tillman for Tita move, and that's why I don't think it matters who the GM is, right? Mm -hmm. Tillman's going to do what Tillman wants to do. If he wants to go into luxury tax, by all means, they'll go into luxury tax. If he wants to get rid of players, he's going to get rid of players. Yeah. Uh, what, what I think is interesting is the people that you have stepping in for Daryl are Daryl's right-hand guys the last couple of years, right? Yeah, so good point. Uh, I don't know if the philosophy changes that much. It just might be a Bill O'Brien version of the Belichick's. And I don't mean that with disrespect because I'd like to see what Raphael Stone is able to do. What I'm saying is it's going to probably be the same philosophy, right? When the Astros went out and got James Click, similar philosophy in, in development and whatnot and, and some analytics, but completely different world, right? He came from the Tampa world. Uh, the fact that you, you're going to, upgrade or excuse me you're going to give somebody a promotion from within the organization to me feels like it's a very similar recipe absolutely so I'm, I'm going to do this i'm going to sum this up because we have so many different people coming in right now i'm going to give my opinion on, on on the move you give yours and then we'll take some questions and comments as well from the listeners so for me this was the right move it was time to move on the 13 years that he was here it was they were successful but he never got the job done and unfortunately in sports I do measure it by titles, and he never got the title that everyone wanted. Yeah, I, I think the bottom line is after a while you have to change. The timing of this to me is what makes it so strange. Uh, and it also, to me, makes me think, does Jeff Van Gundy have a 
a better chance at landing this job than we think. Because to me, Jeff is the kind of guy that has to hand have his hands in everything, right? So mm-hmm. if he wants a certain roster, if he wants a certain things, does he want to use the analytics? I think it, 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 it goes well for Jeff getting this job. But obviously, we know that Tyron is still in the mix. Man, this is uh, this is wild, man. And I, I didn't think they were going to do it because from what I've heard, you know, Daryl is as part of that organization as James Harden is. Like they were they're they're together, man. And he's a huge part of it, obviously, for 13 years. If you're going to be somewhere for 13 years, you're going to be really uh, part of that fabric. Right. Um, so so to see that move being announced today, I was like, whoa. I, I can't believe they did it, and and it was frankly time for me. Like, look under uh, under his watch, and I get it. You have to rebuild teams, and you have to still abide by what the owner of the team wants, or excuse me, the governor wants, right? Because that's the common the NBA uh, right. with Les Alexander. He never wanted a losing season. He always wanted one thing: to stay relevant and in the mix. And you have to rebuild teams that way. And I get all that, but within your years here with Daryl Morey, and I keep bringing this point up: the Spurs won a title. The Mavericks won a title. They took down a super team. And the Grizzlies got to a Western Conference Finals, just like you did. Although you got there a few more times. Let me interfere or let me, let me interject. How much of that is on uh, on James Harden, though? Because oh, I ab- believe yeah. he, this guy picked some great groceries the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I hate that example, but I used it. Uh, he, I mean, to be able to recreate the Rockets, let's not forget, he had a hurt Tracy McGrady and a hurt Yao Ming, right? That's how he started mm-hmm. this regime. Yet they still made the playoffs every year. They still had the yep. second best winning percentage. Then you bring in a guy, really, when you made the trade for James Harden, some people were still, they didn't think it was a good trade the day the trade was made. Obviously, it became one of the greatest trades in Rockets history. But he hasn't gotten it done at the next level. He has not. He has routinely broken down in the playoffs and missed a, missed a beat. And I think that some of that has to go on the players that you had. You look at some of the players he brought in, from Dwight Howard in the very beginning, to Chris Paul, to, I mean, Trevor Ariza a couple different times, little pieces that made this team with P.J. Tucker. All these moves he did, those were all Daryl Morey specials. Okay, but here's the thing. So when you are the GM and you back a player like James Harden as much as Daryl Morey did and the franchise has done, um, you don't make a drastic move, right? For example, the Toronto Raptors. That uh, The core of DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, Serge Ibaka, that was as successful of a franchise as you can get in terms of uh, placing one or two in your conference standings, making, you know, like trying to make that run, but never getting there. And you know what they did? Uh, Masai Ujiri did. He said, all right, you know what? I'm going to break this up. Somebody as beloved as DeMar DeRozan, we're going to trade away a bunch of pieces and we'll, we'll leverage it for one year of Kawhi Leonard to get us over the hump. So they made that move. They broke up that court. We'll bring in a brand new coach that has no NBA coaching experience in Nick Nurse, you make drastic moves, and it paid off for them. So why couldn't Daryl make a move like that, right? Because he loves James Harden so much and because the franchise loves him, but you got to make ruthless moves sometimes. Yeah, but nobody is trading an alpha at the top of their game in the NBA. They're just not. Uh, but you said alpha. Is James an alpha? Is well, DeMar DeRozan an alpha? Right, that they I don't made think the in the same neighborhood or block as James no. Harden. No, no, no. As a player, not. But what he meant to the franchise, he is. Like Kyle Lowry yeah. and Demar Derozan were the most successful Raptors. They were like always right there, but they never got it done. And you have to make a drastic move sometimes. But you, the, the drastic move they made is they brought in the second or third best player in the NBA. For that one I can, year, in, in hoping that it would be longer. But yeah. 
it, that move worked, right? Mm -hmm. Trading like when you trade a superstar, like I, I'm not completely against trading a James Harden for the record, but I don't think there's ever you never get the value yeah. when the Lakers traded Shaquille O'Neal for the spare parts. They never got that value back. The Heat got the value. They won a championship, right? Uh, I don't think you get that value back when you when you trade a superstar. That being said, you've hitched your what what's the term? You hitched your what? Your, your wagon? wagon. Yep. Yeah, whatever. You hitched something to the wagon. All right. I I didn't grow up talking like that. Uh, you have to roll with what you have with James. I, I just think the timing of this is strange. If it has anything to do with Hong Kong, I think we would have seen it last year, right? Yeah. When the whole mess happened. Maybe that kind of caused a little bit more of a tense relationship in those offices. And the fact that they didn't win, and maybe Tillman, and again, this is all speculation here, maybe Tillman wanted to go a different direction with the coaching search and what they do with analytics and what they do that. And Daryl's like, you know what? I got a lot of different interests in this world. I don't have to do this anymore. Yeah. And he's going to be a coveted general manager, not only in the NBA, but uh, we saw one of our good friends, Lance Zerline, kind of throwing it out there that maybe the Texans should interview him and see what happens, right? Because as a general manager, there's a lot of, there's a lot of cap working, figuring out like how you're going to feel the best team within the, the cap. And then also a lot of personal relationship management, right? So something that Daryl Morey has done for the last 13 years in the NBA. I want to go back to the Hong Kong tweet real quickly. So yep. if it was because of that, which it isn't, because if that was the case, now the Rockets did lose money. The, the NBA did lose money because of that tweet and the controversy that followed it. They would have let go of Daryl back then. And then secondly, they would not have kept like his core group of guys and then elevated them, like you mentioned, giving them a raise and a promotion because you want to cut all ties with anything with that guy. Instead, it's almost like, hey, this was such a, this was such a mutual agreement, it felt like, that here are the guys that I would like as my successors here and you know, do what you may with that. And Tillman, according to reports, it's not official yet, um, his right-hand man, Daryl Morey's right-hand man, Rafael Stone, is going to become the general manager. So he gets a promotion. So it almost feels like it was really the, – the, the Hong Kong tweet had nothing to do with it because they parted ways mutually, and it looks like in a happy way. Is it ever happy? Is it ever happy? Yeah, sometimes you go, I don't want to work in here anymore. I'm good. Yeah. I'm going to move on. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. When you, when you believe you're as close to an NBA championship mm -hmm. as I think Daryl thinks that they are, and obviously they haven't gotten there – I don't know how, how happy of a mutual breakup it is. But let's take a look at the last – where were we? We're in October. Okay, 10 months. Look at all the changes this city has seen. Like it is – all the GMs, all of them, all the head coaches, all of them. Like it's it's uncanny what we've seen, right? Like from James Click taking over for Jeff and obviously Dusty for AJ, what we're seeing with the Texans. You know, Bill is gone. That That – with two positions right there, and that happened in the last 10 days to what we're seeing now with Daryl and a new head coach, Mike D'Antoni's gone, who he thought he was going to have a job, either the Pacers or the Sixers job. He's still looking for a gig. There's so many questions out there, uh, and this city has been in the middle of all of it, Real. Absolutely. That, that I've never seen that, right? Like I can't remember another city going through this many changes in just a short span. And it, it, look, the Astros made their own bed, and Jim Crane decided that – he wanted to cut ties with uh, AJ, who, by the way, is tied to the Chicago White Sox job early. We'll see how that search goes. Jeff Luneau, who is on Ben Ryder's podcast, by the way, the Edge yep. Houston Astros. We had him on last week. Jeff Luneau has been becoming more public and like kind of being tied to other names. What? I don't like the way you say Jeff Luneau. Why? Jeff, Jeff Luneau? Luneau? 
Yeah. Boy, it's better than Jeff Lou now. Who other? Yeah, you know, like, there's still there's still sports radio people who mispronounce Lou no and say Lou now and like, dude, come on, come on, you're, you're long enough. Yeah, come on. So um, we had that, of course, Bill O'Brien, as you mentioned. Uh, that's two jobs, one man. And then now with the Rockets, Mike D'Antoni just saying, I'm good. I'm walking too. Daryl Morey, I'm good. I'm walking. Does that, to you, signify something greater yes. within the organization? Yeah, absolutely it does. The, look, and that happens when there's a regime change. Now, Tillman's been there for a few years, so it's not like this is a sudden thing. But it absolutely speaks to what the environment is there or what kind of stamp that Tillman wants to do with this team. Remember when he took over and he, and he bought the team from Les Alexander, there weren't multiple changes. There were changes in the Toyota center, but not in the structure of the organization since that. I mean, it was just about a year and a half ago that Gerson Rosas left. Um, there's been so many little pieces and you're seeing it. Uh, this might be that time, man, it's going to be going to be crazy here. The coaching search now is next up for the Houston Rockets. As the, as we mentioned, Daryl Morey still going to be part of that. He will still be, Part, is he really uh, a part of that? Yeah, I think so. I know they say that, but I guess I, I don't know. I mean, like I'm going to take him for their word there, or according to Warjanowski's report. Yeah, and who knows? He might have been. They might have come to this agreement a while back, and he might have just been on board right now, and it just broke, and then maybe we just found out. But you know that that's what the story is right now, and then we'll see what the what the decision is going to be with the coach, and this is going to be Raphael Stone's first big hire. You get the GM position, and now you get to decide who your head coach is, similar to what Daryl Morey did, right? When he first arrived, two weeks later, there was a decision made about who? Oh, Jeff Van Gundy, who's interviewed. Yep. And let's not forget how similar this was. Carol Dawson was with the Rockets as the general manager for many, many years. They brought in this young hotshot. I, I, they they, what did they call him when he first joined the Rockets? Because he was kind of shadowing. CD when he first started, and they brought him from the Boston Celtics. But very similar, a guy who, you know, CD obviously was part of the, not the architect, but a part of the Rockets two championships as an assistant coach, wasn't the GM at the time. But, um, you know, he he hadn't won at the biggest level as the GM. And now you bring in the new guy, there's a changing of the, of the guard, and we're seeing that play out right now. And what a weird world we live in to where the Astros are facing an elimination for the second straight day. And they're not the lead of the day in the city, in the ALCS. Man, that is crazy. Did you see the numbers real quickly? Just let's give some props to the Houston Astros and their uh, their core players of George Springer, Jose Altuve, Carlos Correa, Yuli Gurriel, Alex Bregman. According to um, the Yes Network, they played in their 54th game together in the playoffs. That is incredible dude 54 games obviously when you make it to the alcs four years in a row world series two of those years you're gonna play a lot of games together but now jose altuve and george springer top 10 in home runs career in postseason okay uh carlos correa top 10 as well in rbi like we're seeing historic stuff with this group man and unfortunately, you know, we said this yesterday, and we may be saying it today, it could be the last time we see that group together again because of George Springer's uh, impending free agency coming up. But if Jose Altuve is broken, like some of the people on social were suggesting after a few errors, and he certainly something was certainly in his head. There's no doubt about that. Let me have what he's having because to hit as many home runs as he has in this series and to be broken, I'll take it. Absolutely. And I love Jose Altuve's response to all that. He just said, it's baseball. Look, sometimes you're going to have a moment like that. You're going to have a stretch. And we see players go through hitting slumps, right? 
he's going through a defensive slump. It happens for 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 the best of the guys out there. And he's so cool, collect calm. He's like, all right, you know what? We move on. And I think Dusty helped a lot. You saw them hugging before the game. They were joking around, having a good time. And Dusty has seen it all, being around the game as much as he has been. It's so cool to see that relationship. And he didn't panic, by the way, which was incredible. The sound bites yesterday from Zach Greinke. He had a big moment. And remember when Zach Greinke yep. had a big moment in the World Series? AJ Hinch said, "Now nah, you're out. You know, you just gave up a hit. You're out. And Will Harris goes on to give up the home run. The rest is history. The Astros lose. And Greinke yesterday said, it was nice to have that trust for the first time within this organization. It feels like they don't believe in me. That, that's why analytics at times gets into trouble. It gets players upset, right? Because mm-hmm. I think analytics should be a guide, but it's not the do-all, tell-all, right? Like, it is a guide to get you information on how to tackle a situation. But you got to go with the gut. you got to go with the eyeball test. Uh, and look, at the time that AJ made the change last year, not to rehash old sports radio takes, it made sense to me. Will Harris is having an incredible series. You know, Grinky was not struggling, but not doing what he was doing the prior innings. I understood it at the time. Obviously, it was a mistake. It didn't work. It was a mistake. Yeah. But it made sense at the time, but it just didn't work. To me, it didn't make sense because Will Harris was, I think that was his third straight appearance. And as good as Will Harris was during the season, it was just like, oh, no, please. Every He was almost like Ryan Presley to me. Every time Ryan Presley's in, don't you get a little sick? You're like, oh, no, please, Ryan Presley, please don't give this up. And yesterday was close to. But, uh, you know, it, it's all in the past. But it was interesting to hear Zach say that so publicly. Yeah. And Zach doesn't care. Zach Ranky's hey, like, I'm going to say what I want. I, I'm sorry I've, I put this comment up here. But I'm surprised that Charlotte has so much um, knowledge of the Raphael Stone pickup. But she says he's an incredible leader. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I, I've I seen, believe, yeah. Charlotte runs, look, Charlotte I, runs realgm.com. That's why. Oh, I think that's not a true story. <laughs> that's a fake story. Uh, but he has been part of the, the organization for a while. Um, he, he was doing legal counsel work for them. He was promoted to um, G- assistant GM and president for a while there. Uh, and then now the, the big promotion, excuse me, with uh, – I don't think it was president, so I want to correct that. But he was promoted last year as well, and now the big promotion as GM. We'll find out when that becomes official because the Rockets haven't announced that. That's according to a report from Adrian Wojnarowski. Yep. So when in this comment from Paul, I believe, uh, could be a, a talking point for us real quick. We're going back to the Rockets. JVG kept the Rockets as a defensive team, just could, couldn't keep Yao and Tracy healthy. I agree with that. Uh, one thing I will tell you, it'd be interesting to see this incarnation, if Jeff Van Gundy is back as a head coach for the Rockets or whomever, uh, how much has basketball changed since he was here? 2007 to now. Back in 07, people were still playing with their backs to the basket. It was still a slowdown, not complete slowdown, but it's not the NBA that we see today. He's been close to the game, broadcasting. Obviously, he's helped with USA Basketball and done his coaching there. So it's not like he's been away from the game. He's been totally plugged in. But that style, I mean, remember, he he wore himself out as the head coach yeah. of the Rockets. I hope he doesn't get the job because I love him so much on the broadcast. Yeah, It's such a treat to watch him. Uh, but you brought up the the U.S. basketball coaching that he's done with their um, with their G League team. So they have a different team that qualifies the main team, right? And it's a lot of G League players. And just watching some of those games, because me being the the basketball dweeb that I am, I did watch some of his games. Man, that team played hard, and and that is one of the big things about uh, a Jeff Van Gundy team is 
you're you're gonna play hard and you're gonna you're gonna leave it all out there. So expect that. And I don't you know, who knows, man. Today's NBA, there's a lot more empowerment to the players. It will a James Harden go? Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna dial in defensively for 40 minutes a game. Who knows? Um, or who knows if James will be here? You know, so it, it so much is about to change with the Rockets, or nothing might change. We it it's literally a toss up right now because if Ty Lue, as you mentioned, is the coach, I don't see much changing. If nope. Van Gundy gets a job, I think there's gonna be a lot of changes. Absolutely, he will. And I think that's why we, we, we don't know, right? Yeah. Until they pick a head coach, you do not know the direction this franchise is going to go. The easy solution or the easy answer is they're going to keep it as is, right? They're going to give it one last run with a different style of head coach, maybe have more half-court sets. That was, that was always my big problem with the Rockets is, like, they don't play well in the half-court. They do in the regular season, but in the postseason, when defenses are waiting for that play that you know is coming, which is called the dribble-dribble bad shot offense, that they, I think they call it that in the offices, right? <laughs> I think it is, yeah. Yeah, yeah dribble. dribble, dribble, bad shot, DDBS. Yeah. You did the acronym very quickly there. That was good. I, that's why I said it first. I was like, dribble, dribble. What was it? <laughs> dribble, dribble. Bad shot. Bad shot. Bad shot. Yeah, DDBS. I had to say it because I didn't want to make a fool of myself. Well, um, according to Joe Orange, it's uh, Ty Lue rumors are out there. So I'm going to go check uh, the internet just to confirm that information. But uh, it has not come out, according to uh, ESPN at least, about Ty Lue. Uh, potentially going to another franchise in the NBA. I'm not going to say who, but you can do the math if, if that's possible. Yeah, I'm looking right now, too. I'm trying to see if uh, if I can find anything. Actually, uh, yep. Ty Lue, yep, Wojnarowski. Yep. You got it? Yep. Which means Ty Lue is finalizing a five-year deal to become the next head coach of the Los Angeles Clippers. Sources tell ESPN, which to me means it's Jeff Van Gundy, and a bunch of others, right? Um, could Kenny Atkinson be the guy? I know you have a great relationship with Kenny from his time here. If I remember correctly, Raheel, we played him in a basketball game. And I was yes. telling this story to Greg Bailey, and like, I, I don't think he shot on me. I don't think he got a shot off. That's how I remember it. Um, I don't. I think I locked him down. Uh, I don't remember it like that, to be honest with you. Uh, I think he, he was probably playing about 30%, just like Sean Respert was. They are going yeah, about 30% speed. And they were still dominating us. Yeah. It's, it's not like the time I almost got into a fight with Calvin Murphy, but that's the story we'll tell another day. Yeah. That's another No Layups podcast. We should bring him on to recount this. See if he remembers. There's no way he remembers. I brought it up to him once in a private conversation. I don't think he was listening when I was talking. And um, he didn't remember it the way I remembered it. But I, I, I know John Harris remembers it that way. You do. Um, and, and I remember thinking this could be the end of David Nuno. He was a Golden Globes boxing champion. Yeah. He was so I've played in other celebrity games with him and man, they him and Robert Reed, they did not take it lightly. They're like, oh, we're playing hoops. I don't care if it's a celebrity game. No, we're going hard. I was like, yo, it's a I mean, like you guys are struggling to run up the court. This is full court. Can we like calm down, please? Raheel, I've seen you in flag football with the Texans. I've seen you <laughs> as those guys. You wear your little spandex thing under your shorts, you warm up. I know how you are. Right. Okay, fair, fair. That's a good point. I can't criticize them. You're right. All right, so if Tyron Lue is going to the Clippers, as uh, Woj is reporting, finalizing a five-year deal, that leaves Jeff and, and the bang, uh, the gang of others, right? Um, yep. Sam and, Cassell, and we, um, Kenny. Sam Cassell, who interviewed, I believe, yesterday with the Clippers as well, right? Yeah. Uh, I think Sam has got to get a, a, a great look um, for the nostalgia, for what he's been able to do at the NBA level. He has been a, a – assistant everywhere, Celtics, Clippers, you name it. He, he's done that. Um, 
but I, th I think if you're doing some deductive reasoning here and reading between the lines, it's looking, I mean, a follow-up interview with Jeff speaks well for Jeff's chances. Absolutely. I think that's going to be the name to watch here. And uh, we'll find out, man. A lot, a lot of news coming down from the NBA. Ty Lue to the Clippers. Daryl Morey obviously out. Raphael Stone, according to Wojnarowski, will be stepping in as GM. So uh, we'll have the latest. And by the way, you'll have more reports on this as well on the news later on in the day, all across the, the day parts. And then we can't forget this, David. We actually have an interview for the people with uh, a Heisman winner, okay? 1989 Heisman Trophy winner Andre Ware, which I know a lot of people listen to him doing the Texans broadcast. Uh, that dude is one of the busiest guys uh, in Houston. I mean, doing the college football games, doing the Texans, uh, playing golf apparently all the time, he tells us. Uh, so good conversation with him. The uh, Gridiron Legends golf tournament is coming up, so we chat a little bit about that. But also, I mean, he is, he's got an insider's point of view with all the changes we're seeing with the Texans. And uh, I, he, he said the same thing we've heard the players say, we've heard the coaches say, the energy. That was the, one of the first things you'll hear him talk about is the energy of the Texans. He's, and he, he noticed the before and the after and the during, not just between the plays. He noticed a different energy. Yeah. And uh, as we play this interview, I'm going to start it here in just a second. Just know that Andre Ware gave me three points of good questions. So we play a game about who asked the best questions. Although I think the same five questions shouldn't qualify. Count. It that shouldn't count, right? I feel bad because they're so easy to get points off of. I mean, I can ask that question, but you've made it your yeah, bit. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think we should rotate. Uh, you should ask them too. No, because no, often what questions are, I'd rather you do it. <laughs> That's why I'm over here. We've got these questions. Yeah. <laughs> so here, do you want to play it right now? Let's toss yeah, to let's, it. Yeah, because i got to get ready for the 3 o'clock, um, and there's some chats. But here's our conversation earlier today with uh, 1989 Heisman Trophy winner Andre Ware. All right, we're joined by one of the hosts of the Gridiron Legends Golf Tournament, Andre Ware, of course, the Heisman Trophy winner from 1989. You hear him all the time on the Texans broadcast. What's going on, Andre? Hey, how are you guys doing? Doing great, man. So uh, talk a little bit about this golf tournament. I know every year uh, the proceeds go to Del Pelchin Children's Hospital, but it's something that's very passionate for uh, not only the Texans, but for yourself, Mr. McLean as well. Yeah, and all the Gridiron Legends that are involved in the tournament, David, every year. Now it's the 10th annual Gridiron Legends Golf Tournament, benefiting the DePelchins uh, Children's Center. So uh, we've been a part of it, myself and John, for quite a number of years now. We've watched it grow every single year. So that's uh, that's kind of uh, kind of interesting to see, kind of, kind of gives you a sense of pride, so to speak. Uh, the tournament will feature a number of Texas Gridiron Legends like Robert Brazil, Vince Young, Shane Leckler, Wade Phillips will be there, many, many more. That's just to name a few. And the event, it's sold out again, but you can still uh, help the Texas Bowl make its ninth straight record donation to the Pelton's Children's Center uh, by participating in the Legends Online Auction. And basically, you just go to www.texasbowl.givesmart.com or text BID, B-I-D, to 76728. And view the bidding, uh, uh, the items that are there, and uh, some unbelievable stuff that's there as well. That is awesome to see that the you know it, it, you guys set records every single year with this, and the the feedback from the community. What does it mean when you guys are actually out there and, and you see who you're helping out? Uh, what's that like? Well, it's uh, you know you, you just you want to give back and you want to help in any way, shape possible. When you but when you know it's for kids. That, uh, that stamps a different meaning on it because you're affecting lives, and, and I'm talking about for the rest of their lives. 
uh, helping in any way you possibly can. So that, uh, you know, you can't put a word on that. Um, it's just what you, you feel like it's what you're supposed to be doing. And then when you're around all these guys, it's, it's actual, actually a very fun event. There's plenty of food uh, to go around. Champions does a one, I mean, a, a number one job of hosting this tournament. And they have the last few years. And so uh, you mix all that together. You got a special day of, uh, of, of golf. Andre, too, the, the lead up to this event, obviously the pandemic has changed the way you guys have to go about your business. And uh, there were some times that it was a little crazy of if it was going to get done. It's here. It's now. Just talk about a little bit navigating through those waters. Yeah, I mean, uh, kind of my personal bubble. The one thing that I've, able, I've been, always been able to kind of hold on to was the game of golf. It's because you can social distance uh, while playing it. And uh, no one's touching your clubs. No one's picking up your ball, no one's pulling out the flag stick, things of that sort. And then you're, you're kind of off and, and outside as well, which is obviously in a pandemic, the place you want to be if you're around anyone for, for any period of time, so to speak. So uh, that let me know that it was safe to do it um, as well. And, and the, department, the golf chairs and all that, we, uh, they came to the conclusion it is a safe way to do it and that we would still push forward. How has it been for you personally now that football season is here, of course, with the Texans and Mark Vandermeer and John Harris, one of our good friends? You get to do that. Saturday, you're doing uh, college football. You're returning to somewhat of a normal schedule for you at least, but what's it been like not only traveling but calling these games during our current uh, climate? It's, uh, it's normal in a sense that there are games. But uh, nothing about it seems normal anymore. Uh, we're on the total opposite side of the stadium on home games. I mean, you see a stadium that is partially uh, what it, what you're used to seeing it as. Um, I don't think really there is a home field advantage when games are being played, certainly in the NFL and on the collegiate level. And uh, in college, I do them right here. You know, that that's the, the, the norm now is, you know, I do them from my home office. I have a studio set up that ESPN came in and, and, uh, and set up for me so I don't have to travel much. Uh, it took a little uh, poking and prodding with Mark to, to make him see that the best way to do games, especially the away games, would be right here. And, I, and I, I'm the, the, uh, the guinea pig, so to speak, in terms of doing them from a monitor for ESPN. And so once he saw the benefit in that, the safety in it, uh, we do the, the away games from the stadium with about five or six monitors, we sound like we're in the stadium. There's nothing that's ever gonna, gonna, uh, you know, feel the difference or make up for being at a live game, but it's as close as you can get. The gnats are right there in your ears, so you feel like you're you're close to uh, to doing the action in in a stadium on the road. Dre, uh, what was the biggest difference this weekend with Romeo's style um, as opposed to what it was like with Bill? I think there was an energy that, and, and I was waiting, David, to see uh, what what the Texans would look like when they came out of the tunnel, uh, and not just for the game. I'm talking about pregame warmups and things of that sort. And there was a looseness, and and you know you're obviously paying closer attention to it with a, with someone different as the head coach. But they seemed a little loose. They seemed are looser. They seemed like they were having fun. Guys were ribbing each other and moving around and and uh, dancing to the music. You, you always see that, but there was just something different about this weekend, and certainly the, the difference paid off on the field. Yeah, it's so funny. Like, on social media, fans are like, well, you weren't having fun in meetings. That's your job, right? Um, but when you're – when that is – what. 
Yeah, it's like well, when you're doing that, it, yes, it is your job, but it's okay to be excited to be at work. It's okay to have fun at work and push towards a common goal. And to hear Deshaun, to hear JJ after uh, last week's game, just talk about how different the atmosphere was and the culture was. And then you see how they reacted and what you talked about, how they looked on the field. Like it makes total sense that the week leading up, when you're having fun, it's a little looser. You, the results are different too. Yeah, it is. And and I'll just put a phrase it this way. What if you were going to a place every day on a nine to five and, and essentially that's what it is during the week when these guys prepare for, for the hours are much longer than nine to five, but just imagine that for a second and you're walking in and you're on eggshells every single day. I mean, there, no one's smiling, no one's uh, kind of feeling good at work. And then you fast forward that to a work environment where it's, it's loose. You can joke around, even your boss is joking around and smiling and Hey, you know, you don't have a smile on your face today. This, that, I mean, it's a totally different environment. And that's the only picture I could uh, really paint for a fan. That's, that's uh, trying to really understand what the differences were. Andre, uh, help me understand or help me um, put this Tennessee game in perspective. Cause I see it as an opportunity for the Texas, right? It's, not that it's not only a must win because they all are, but you get you win this game, the Titans on a short week. It really kind of changes the way you look at the remainder of the season, right? Well, it really does. I mean, you've got Green Bay after that, of course. And, and you know, they say that, well, the schedule lightens up. Well, I don't see it, see it lightening up with you're facing one undefeated team and then Green Bay follows that one. And then you get to a bye week. But every one of them is, is important. And so, you know, you, you don't want to go one and five. You don't want to be in that position. Two and three certainly are two. Two and four is certainly better than than being one and five. You're digging yourself out of an enormous hole if you were to fall to one and five. But uh, it's an opportunity to knock off an undefeated team. It's an opportunity to go on the road and get get a road victory in the division against a team that is hot as as hot as there is in the leagues right now. So uh, it, there are a lot. There's a lot at stake in this one. Hey, uh, Dre, uh, Raheel's going to ask you these five questions we ask all of our guests before we close out interviews. But before we do that, not to make you feel old, because I think we're about the same age or you're a little bit older. I remember in 89, when yeah. you won the Heisman, the Chronicle had this little insert with your picture on it. And it said, congratulations. My parents still have it at the house, man. So I, I don't know why I randomly brought that up, but I remember that from way back in the day. <laughs> here somewhere. It's, it's, it's around here somewhere. So it, it's not very far away. I know exactly. Andre, it it sounds like what he wanted there was if you couldn't find yours, he's trying to resell that insert to you. He's trying <laughs> or to go I can low. sell him the one that I have. Here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Andre, we do this thing called the same five questions. We ask these same five questions to all of our guests to learn a little bit more about you. So we'll get this going. Number one, what is one song you wish everybody would listen to at least once in their life? Uh, my favorite, all-time favorite is Strawberry Letter 23 by the Brothers Johnson. And it's, All right. uh, every time I listen to it, I think it has a different meaning uh, from the previous time I've listened to it. It was on actually yesterday. I was listening to it on Pandora's driving around. And uh, you think you understand the song, and just when you think you understand it, it, there's a different meaning that pops in your head. So it keeps me thinking all the time. But it's a very old song that, uh, that is, is, is my favorite. All right, I'm going to put that one on at, right after this interview. That's awesome. Okay, number two, what's one thing you always have to have in your fridge? Oh, boy. Uh, Dr. Munch wouldn't like this, but uh, <laughs> simply simply fruit punch. It's got to be there. 
and I may it may take me a while to get through a bottle of it, but it is the best going. So I'm, I guess that's a plug for simply simply fruit punch. <laughs> Hashtag ad. We got you. There you, there you go. We got you, David. Is there any chance you have any juice in your fridge? Uh, I think we had orange juice last week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't. I'm not. I, I'm a water and coffee guy, Andre. That's <laughs> how I roll. I wish, David. I, I mean, he's told me that hey, you got to get on more water, and I just. It's got to have some kind of flavor to it. So I got to add lemon or orange or something to it to to give it some flavor. All right. What's one place you want to visit that you haven't yet? Oh, boy, that's a good question. Um, Boy, you shocked me with that one. Let's see. Maybe Australia. I've been reluctant to go because I don't like uh, spiders and I don't like snakes and things of that sort. But every time I, I see a documentary or something on TV and just the beauty of it all is uh, it, I'll, I'll eventually get there. I've been to many places around the world, but that's one I haven't visited yet that uh, I think I'm going to spend. So I'll, I'll get there eventually once everything opens up. Yeah. Once everything opens up, are you a scuba diver by any chance? Because it's the no, best I diving. I don't, if it's got a cement bottom, I'm all about it, but. Uh, I'm <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, Andre, who's one person alive you want to meet and have coffee with? Oh, wow. Um, that's a good one. I, I think I'm intrigued by former President Obama, and uh, I, would, I would sit down just to pick his brain on a lot of, lot of subjects because I think you have to have a broad spectrum of, of the way you think, obviously, to be the president of the United States. Uh, but, you know, having gone to Harvard and and all of that, all of it in, entails his his rise to uh, throughout his political uh, career is 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 intriguing to me as well. So I, I think that's where I would start. Okay. By the way, I think that's uh, seven hundred and thirteen to three. Everybody loves Obama, so Obama wins that question all the wow. time. That's a, that's a great answer. Wow. Oh, that's but great. he he like he is one of the most interesting men yeah. on this planet right now to learn influential from, yeah because he's kind of plugged in with everything mm-hmm. so you just want his his outlook on not just things politically but you know how he views the world and and yeah. uh and and what it took for him to rise to where you know become the president of the united states and so uh, what that that entails in terms of the work ethic it takes to get there i think there's a lot there to to really tap into if you got to sit down with him for a significant amount of time. Absolutely. And I think after that coffee, there's a hundred percent chance if I'm with him, we're playing some hoops afterwards. Oh man. I want to see how good he is. Cause I, we, we keep seeing like videos and and stories. I just want to, I just want to know how that left, uh, that lefty jumper is. All right. Uh, last one. What's one app you want to delete from your phone, but you just can't. Who? Oh boy. Um, Facebook, maybe. Yeah, because it's always, yeah. I was for if it weren't for work reasons, I probably would have done it a long time ago. It, you know, you you pull it up, and everybody's got something to say, and everything's uh, more important to this person than that. And you know, it's it is just the the world of evil, I call it. So I would delete it in a heartbeat. But you know, for work purposes, it's got to be yeah. there. That is Andre Ware, who's one of the hosts of the Gridiron Legends. Andre, uh, I know that you said it's sold out, but people can still get involved, right, uh, and, and, and help out with the auction. 
Yeah, the online auction, just go to www.texasbold.givesmart.com or text BID to 76728. Uh, as well, David, you guys, the Texas Bowl, the 2020 Texas Bowl, it'll return to NRG this December as the Big 12 will once again take on the SEC, and it's Houston's biggest college football event. I actually called a game last year between Texas A&M and Oklahoma State, and it was one of the better games that I called the entire season of 2019. So it was back and forth. I think Oklahoma State owned the first half and Texas A&M with a bunch of young kids on the second half and wound up winning the football game. But uh, they put on a first-class uh, event, just like the golf tournament that leads into, obviously, the Texas Bowl. So uh, you can't go wrong either, either way. We appreciate you, Dre. Thanks so much.